Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. America. We are endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. To serve others in ways that promote human flourishing and create a ripple effect of transformation for generations to come, find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. Snakes, zombies, sharks, heights, speaking in public. The list of fears is endless. But while you're clutching your blanket in the dark, wondering if that sound in the hall was actually a footstep, the real danger is in your hand when you're behind the wheel. And while you might think a great white shark is scary, what's really terrifying and even deadly is distracted driving. Eyes forward. Don't drive distracted. Brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. Hey everybody, good morning, evening, afternoon, whatever time you're listening to this. Welcome to 100 Words or Less, the podcast. I am your host, Ray Harkins, and uh, I'm a little tired today, so uh, please forgive the intro if it's a little sluggish. I'm trying to drink some coffee, trying to power through the morning. Anyways, um, Property of Zach, propertyofzach.com, visit them. They are a great partner for us. And the show, um, where basically they post great news on a daily basis. Uh, they really get in depth with uh, editorial content. Go there. It should be a daily visit for you. So check it out, and you will be full of knowledge after that visit. A um, few other house cleaning things. Review the show on iTunes. Haven't gotten a review in like over a month. And that's disappointing. Norman Waldo. Shout out to him, whoever that may be, um, for giving us the last review, and uh, it was a very nice one, and I appreciate it. So uh, yeah, if you want to write a review, it'll take you like two minutes. If you just want to give stars to the show, you can do that. Um, So please do that. And it was cool. We were up for a few sort of podcast awards on the Stitcher uh, network, and uh, I can't remember the other one. My uh, my friend Corey was the one who uh, told me about that, and um, you were able to you know nominate millions of podcasts. But people did vote for us, and uh, that was a cool thing, and I appreciate that. 
Um, all right. I've been really, really busy recently doing a lot of random stuff. I went to the fest recently with, uh, my very good friend, Chris Hansen from No Sleep Records. Sweet name drop right there. I know. Uh, so yeah, we went down there and had a lot of fun, saw a lot of amazing bands. The highlight for me that whole weekend was, uh, probably how much fun I had watching Grade. Um, I, I really honestly didn't expect to, uh, be as enamored with that set as I was. There's obviously a lot of other great stuff. Um, Hostage Calm, Into It, Over It, Propagandi, Code Orange Kids. Like, I could probably go on for another 10 minutes. Negative Approach from Ashes Rise. There was some really great stuff I was able to see. Um, and the fest has just exploded to the point of where I can't even believe how big it is now. Uh, the last time I went there was like 2003, 2004. So it was like fest two or three. Um, yeah, so it's it's awesome to see it grow. And on top of all that, I got a bunch of amazing interviews. Um, and, and those of you that follow the Twitter got a little sneak preview in regards to who I was sitting down with. Um, so basically, I have so much content for the next like two, three months. It's crazy. Um, yeah, so that was exciting. And then also, during that same fest weekend, I got a heads up that uh, that television show that I told you about, I don't know, two months ago, might have even been longer. Uh, called How the States Got Their Shapes. You should check it out. It airs on History Channel 2, which is called H2. I think most of you that have, you know, some sort of larger than just the network show cable package would probably receive it. And the name of the show is called Vice versus Virtue. Um, and it was fun to watch myself on television. It was really funny to even see how much they edited out because, you know, we shot for about like three or four hours and, um, you know, they had to condense that down to like five minutes. Um, but I'm very excited because this show is a quiz type of show and it was me versus a bartender and uh, I'm not, I'm pretty, I, I won. Just going to go ahead and say that I won and I'm stoked that I won because my biggest fear of going on would be humiliating myself in the sense of, oh my gosh, I look like an idiot, I'm answering the questions wrong, whatever the case may be. But I did not do that, and I was happy with that, because it would be embarrassing if I made a fool out of myself, and people would be like, hey Ray, I saw you on TV, you're stupid, you don't know the answer to those questions. So um, needless to say, that was, uh, that was the case, that I did not embarrass myself. And I realized I haven't even talked about the guests that we have this week. Andrew Hosner, he is by no means a household name to those of you who just follow, you know, all the punk news websites and that type of stuff. You know, he's not a musician, but like I've told everybody at the beginning of each show, I try to focus on independent culture. You know, people that have been involved in either, you know, punk, hardcore, metal, whatever the case may be, but then also do other awesome shit beyond that. Um, and this person is a prime example. Uh, I worked with him for years at Century Media. He is the head of sales over there. So he's the dude that talks to the label's distributor and says, hey, we need to ship 20,000 copies of this new record. You need to accomplish that. And then he gives them a bunch of information in order to make that goal happen. Um, there's obviously a lot more that goes into that, but I'm just trying to distill his job. 
Um, always a really, really great dude. Uh, he's been in the industry for a long, long time. Uh, and then as I got to know him working there, he is a huge, huge art buff, uh, as you'll come to hear in the interview. He literally says that there's not one inch on his wall that can that is not taken up by art. So it's basically wall-to-wall art. Um, and he primarily focuses on, for lack of a better term, and me, I am not going to pretend like I'm an art expert, um, but, you know, alternative slash street art, that type of stuff. You know, it's not your, your Van Gogh and that type of stuff, what, what people traditionally think art to be. Um, so, yeah, he just has an amazing story. And the fact that his gallery, which is called Think Space Gallery, um, has been able to really create an amazing place for these artists to grow and thrive and essentially become household names to a lot of people that follow the art culture. Um, in the same way that, you know, a person like Shepard Ferry, who is obviously massive and gigantic and completely ubiquitous um, within our pop culture, um, Haas, which is what he's known by, has been able to uh, curate a lot of artists that, um, you know, can be that same person in, you know, five to ten years or even shorter than that. Because, uh, again, I'm not going to pretend to know a lot of this information. <laughs> but uh, in any event, I think it's an extremely important conversation that I had with him and it shows uh, you know what you can do with just an idea and taking it and trying to execute it and basically putting a lot of blood sweat and tears into it uh, and making certain sacrifices but then also uh, being completely fine with those sacrifices so um, yeah I went up to interview him at the Century Media office and we sat in a conference room and we hung out while uh, we had, well, I don't think, no, we didn't have lunch, but we hung out over the lunch hour. And um, yeah, this is what transpired. So uh, I encourage you, even if you have no connection whatsoever to this person, I promise this interview will be, will be very enlightening. So check it out. I really enjoy these opportunities because it's like, there are very rare instances where you get to like sit down with a person and just be like, yo, let's God, talk. Yeah. And it's like, because there are certain things where it's, I mean, I've known you obviously for a long time yeah. and you know, I've got no idea like where you were born, like how you, no, I mean, I knew, yeah. I knew you worked at Relapse and it's like, <laughs> I know these nuggets of information, but just never like the, yeah, I hear the full little stories. So like where, where, born and raised, where, where, where were you? <laughs> ah, I came from uh, Kalamazoo, Michigan. Oh, yeah. yes, there really is a Kalamazoo with a little thumb buddy. Right, back in the day. Uh, <laughs> right, I right, right. I have that shirt somewhere. But no, I was uh, born and raised there. Okay. And, um, at around, let's see how the old memory works. Here. I know. I yes, at around twenty, okay. and I moved out to uh, Pennsylvania to uh-huh. join Relapse, and that's after I had spent about a year and a half in college. Um, going towards a marketing degree, and um, through a friend that worked at Western Michigan University's radio station, WIDR, okay. he got me on um, to kind of take over his position, even though I didn't go to Western, it was kind of like a grandfather done type thing, and I was at least going to college. Right. He's like, no, this dude knows what's up. Yeah, and I just had to get my FCC license, which was good for life, so I still attend 
legally go on the airwaves and there, cause havoc if I want to. Really? I never um, knew that there was like, even in college radio, you have to get like an yeah, FCC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what, I think is it like a, a test you do? Yeah, so I think if you go on and start flying with explorators and stuff, they can still find your ass or something like Interesting. that. Interesting. Okay, uh, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It was, it was really simple to ask, basically. You know, like, I am Bob and can breathe. Yeah. Here's I can your guess, license. Right. You know, it's Enjoy. Public, it's like public office, kind of. Right, right. Um, but, uh, so you no, did, so I did that for about a I think two and a half semesters, mm-hmm. and at, at right around into the going into the second semester, I got my job at Believe in Music, which was um, rest in peace now. There used to be four of them, and as uh, the Best Buys kind of started to, uh, that was back when Best Buy was nothing. Um, no, yeah, the, when they didn't the care about opened, music. Yeah, the first one opened in Michigan and closed two Believe in Music's that were right around it, and then okay. it just went from there. So it was like a small, it was a small yeah, chain. Yeah, so I, I did. I was uh, like the night time manager at uh, Believe in Music, like the five to close shift. Okay, uh, and. Uh, wider um the radio station we worked at um the metal show was called forte okay that which is heavy so um <laughs> that was on friday nights from 11 to 2 and it was just like a party in the studio with a bunch of friends would come down and we just put on really long songs and we just right trying to fuck around yeah but um <laughs> no that was fun and just from that and doing my management gig at uh believe in music i just kind of started just taking advantage of reaching out to labels and getting i was back in the glory days where you could actually get a good bit of stuff if you did a nice you know display and stuff like that they really a la carte you did a lot of shows and you know, yeah all sorts of stuff so um and i got to be pretty good friends with matt jacobson who started relapse with uh billy Lukevich, right um who's now kind of gone out of the out of the equation now right that kind of is too I yeah, Matt, yeah, yeah off making pizzas now in portland right right but right. um relapse is still going and uh just from going back and forth with him he kind of threw out the notion that they were looking to build their um promotion department because at the time i think it was like four or five cats that were pretty much mail order based right and matt was starting to you know some of his records were really starting to sell right and understand and, he and, needed to do and something he just didn't yeah. really know what to do and he was with red at the time so um, i moved out there um to millersville pennsylvania literally the armpit of the middle of nowhere right um, surra- it's like total farm country surrounded right? by amish we were in the basement of a 365 day a year christmas shop that used to be a church for a decade so we were selling satan based crazy oh grindcore in the basement of a christmas shop celebrating the birth of jesus in what used to be a church across the street from an amish farm two doors down was dutch wonderland which was basically like an automated barn raising wonderland for kids kids to come there was automated barn raisings of amish like but you know like mechanized yeah nonsense and uh rides and all sorts of really weird bizarre amish right amish themed type things right you you look at Uh, it and be like i don't it costs like 10 bucks to get in i think you could do the whole thing in about an hour but um there was always a line to get in of clueless tourists and like right down the the way was blue ball pennsylvania and then bird in hand and uh intercourse like, all these weird little, like, messed up town names were everywhere. And basically just, they thrived on selling <clears throat> magnets and t-shirts. Like, I just had intercourse in Pennsylvania. Right, uh, right. Um, and it just happened to be where Matt was born. And he started in his basement, and it just grew from there. So we were just stuck there. Um, and right. when I first started there, it was me and this dude, Sean McKnight. Mm-hmm. got hired the exact same week I did to do radio. And I got hired to do um, retail. And um, within about a month or two of being there, I remember flying out out here in los angeles where i am now Mm -hmm. just to kind of hook up with ralph paz a buddy of mine that worked at metal blade and kind of get a retail list from him printed out because back then it would have had to have been faxed or mailed and i needed to meet some people hobnob and i think that was also around the time of the first time i went to foundations forum as a label this big metal convention used to be back in the day Uh um somewhere out in the valley Um, (laughs) memory's a little hazy yeah yeah but uh but for the first three four or five months 
for the first four or five months we were there, me and McKnight literally just had a upturned uh, cardboard box uh-huh. with a dry eraser board kind of set on top of it. And I sat on one side and he sat on one side of it and we had a, each had a phone and that was... That was your, how, how we, that how was your we retail database? That's how we rocked, and everything was just paper. I mean, that was before it was really any kind of discernible, useful computer. Right, right, um, right. Any, any everything. sort of real database. Yeah, yeah, or yeah. When, yeah, when yeah, the release yeah. came out, I sat by the fax machine for probably two and a half days just faxing like 400 or 500 different buyers, just the one sheet, wow. one after another. Just Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and that was before we had interns and stuff, too, back at Relapse. So it was really, really small. So uh, that was interesting. We were doing the Code Boston app at that time. Right. And, uh, yeah, I worked there for about nine years. And um, about halfway through our tenure there, we, we switched from Red to Caroline Distribution. Uh-huh. And that's where I met my wife, who worked for Caroline. And we just would constantly see each other as I went out to all the hobnob things to schmooze Caroline, our, our distributor. Right. Um, yeah, one faithful group to New York, one thing led to another. And, uh <laughs> just kind of clicked. So I went back to... Philly. Yeah. At that time, we had actually moved to Philly. Um, I think we moved to Philly after being in Millersville for about five or six years, just yeah. due to sheer like upheaval of like every. It was all guys, and we we're like, we need women. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there wasn't anything in Millersville going on. You know, right, so we, right. We, we had moved to Philly, um, and she went back to LA where she was kind of. She was born, and raised out here in the well, out in the, the sticks a little bit. Uh huh. And. Uh, one thing led to another. We kept in touch on the phone. I ended up flying her out to Philly mm-hmm. and uh, kind of realized then that that's where we wanted to take things. She went back home. Mm-hmm. About a month later, I think I flew out to be with her for a couple weeks, which turned into, um, I was actually supposed to fly back on the morning of September 11th, to be September 11th. Oh, wow. And um, woke up and uh, we actually got woke up by the guy that was... Um, we were supposed to take a rental car back that I had. Yeah. Go to the airport, yada, yada. And he had called and was just like, hey, don't worry. You know, we're closing the shop, blah, blah, And we were just like, whoa, what's up? I mean, like, literally, like, we were just about ready to get up. But it worked. Went and turned on the TV. And obviously, at that point, Yeah, you know, like, our, our, oh. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, experienced what everybody else did. Um, it was pretty crazy. And obviously, was not about to get on the plane that day. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. She wasn't about to let me get on the plane that day. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So I just kind of. I remember calling Matt, telling him what was up, this, that, and other thing, extending things by a couple more days. Yeah. Um, I almost have to, have to check with Sean to remember the exact breakdown of things, but like right. that weekend, I remember going to some Century Media show where like Marco and Brian were like, oh, I thought you were. Yeah, I thought you were going back. Going back, you know, I remember seeing those guys for a brief, you know, snippet at some point during the trip. Uh-huh. And uh, one thing led to another, and you know, I kind of told them what were what, where what things were going with Sean, this that, and the other thing. And right, and he wanted Marco to be was out like, here. Well, you know, hey. And when I got back to relapse, I wasn't a very popular chap. And Matt had offered the notion of you know offer opening relapse West Coast. Um, oh, okay. That's another thing, and just the notion of working at home and mm-hmm. disconnect. Yeah. Which I see people here. Yeah, you yeah. Know, that we've got people in Iowa and some other messed up places. It just isn't the same. It's um, hard. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I, I just kind of chose to take the uh, olive branch that uh, Central Media had extended, and they came with a nice little raise and just a little more security and right. And where you wanted to be, and yeah. where I wanted to be too, exactly. So, and then you know, about a couple weeks later, she flew out. We, you know, flew out and met me in uh, Philly, and then we drove out here in my car with all my belongings. Right. What I didn't trade off for sale. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then, uh, yeah. Wherever you fit got, in the car. Yeah, yeah, and got a little rental place over in Venice. Actually, I moved in with her. She had had a little, uh, kind of little house right over in Venice, right by the beach. Nice. About six blocks from the beach. She had lived there forever. And we lived there for our first three or four years, and then, um, 
like my grandma passed it when about a year after that I kind of decided to use the inheritance she had left me and mm-hmm. instead of just I wear something silly we ended up actually being able to put a down payment on the house in California which pretty much as you know is next yeah. possible unless, uh, definitely yeah unless something like that happens where you live out in the boonies right um yeah and then uh yeah right we around were... a couple of years of being together like we had started going to flea markets and collecting old radios just something to kind of keep us busy and we had both always had a lot of prints uh-huh. and whatnot um just in our personal collections in our house and stuff like that heard a lot of local la artists and people like mark Ryden and stuff like that that sure. were starting to make a name for themselves uh-huh. you know back from 10 years ago and um i had a lot of dolly prints at my apartment in philly and stuff which when she had come out to visit me i think she was expecting yeah black metal posters, death metal posters or whatever. Right. so she was kind of like impressed slash a little shocked by that <laughs> which you know brought us a little more together and then um once right. we hooked up we started once we started i don't know maybe i wouldn't say tiring of uh going to flea markets but um we just went to a friend's art show one night uh-huh. and then just i don't know just kind of started one one to another to another and we started we made a couple friends with some people we started seeing regularly at them right and we started realizing you know we could actually hang out and we'd be social and have a couple drinks and that's pop in real quick and see the art and yeah jet out like scared little teenagers right <laughs> right like and we don't even like even we don't belong we here far from teenagers at that point right and um <laughs> No, nah, and then we actually, maybe after a few months of doing that, we actually bought our first little original piece from um, this chap up. Uh, it's actually down on the plates in prominence from Riverside named Jeff Soto. Okay. And uh, crazily enough, the piece that we bought that from mm-hmm. is the gallery that we now populate, which is one of the nicer spaces in Culver City. It's just um, they closed, went away. Right. We were at a smaller space um, somewhere else, and we ended up swooping into it. Getting a little ahead of myself. Yeah, yeah, no. But uh, <laughs> no, just kind of weird to look at that back and uh, just to be able, yeah, to be able to yeah, trace. Yeah, kind of thought of it just now. I was like, oh, it's kind of weird. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, and just from there, it just kind of uh, spiraled out of control. Like of course, when, uh, addiction, I guess would. I and, agree. Uh, I know you haven't yeah. seen our house lately, but uh, it's retarded. Uh, we just had a barbecue for some friends and uh, artists and collectors and stuff. Not maybe about a month ago. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And. Yeah, I mean, there's really not a square inch of our house that's not covered. I mean, really, seriously. Um, right. There's artwork about six inches off the floor up to two inches from the ceiling. And that's not great. more than two inches in between any piece of artwork. Right. In the house. And probably 100 pieces in storage in the garage. Because as we get new stuff now, we just have to right. decide to edit something and hope that one day we actually move to Montana or something. Can afford <laughs> like a big that. enough house to actually have all the shit up somewhere. <laughs> totally. But, like uh, we could have room Yeah, twice. I mean, we never trade it off. We never sell it off. We, we gift off things every once in a while, maybe if we've grown out of them or something like that. But we uh-huh. always kind of said that we don't want to just sell it off. We, like, we want the artists to know where it's at. And we've had a lot of collectors and even art curators and some museum folks, lower museum folks, just, you know, that happen to know us come by and stuff and they definitely think that you know we're on the right track of kind of like capturing a snapshot of uh-huh. time like this 10 20 year period in la is aware you know a lot of the people call it the new contemporary which is kind of an oxymoron because it means new and new and right right but um <laughs> that's interesting. but that's kind of what it's been hatched with a lot of people used to call it uh you know outsider art lowbrow um uh-huh. surrealism it's definitely a little bit of a mixture of all those but at the same time it's kind of like uh like you say it, it captures a time frame yeah yeah we're yeah. definitely capturing a, that little time frame I mean, a lot of the artists we show we, we've gotten really early on that are down on the great prominence like we've got some made, nice major pieces from david show back when he used to just show up this little place that's like a giant robot uh-huh and everyone knows him now because yeah, yeah. you know he's spray painted barbara walters and right has you know, i don't know what 12 figure deep from investing in Facebook back in the day. Well, not investing, but getting given some stock as a 
Damon for doing a mural for him, which I think is one of the smartest decisions he's ever made. Yeah. He actually popped into our gallery the last opening out of the blue just just to saying, say what's hey, up. Yeah, yeah. saying hi. I mean, he's still a normal, normal chap. It yeah, just yeah, yeah. Sucks to see how people react to it. I mean, a couple people went up to him like, "Hey, man, give me some money." And it's like, man, you know, it's like, really? Yeah, people are lame. Um, right, yeah, and he's yeah. really kept a low profile the last year because of that. And I feel kind of bad because he was a real social guy, kind of on the yeah. scene type guy, you know. And I yeah, mean, yeah. he still got his close knit unit of friends. I think it's whatever you know, it's still normal. And it seems to be his greatest extravagance is just uh, spending money on nice food and traveling, you know. Right. And he still likes to gamble. But, uh, yeah, 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 that's his thing. But, uh, but all said, um, I got a little sidetracked there, I think. The show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different things that stress us out, right? Like maybe it's something really, really small, like, man, that parking space, it's always taken. And I wish that I would be able to like get it instead of, you know, this person that maybe, you know, is the most courteous and considerate. I know that's something very random, but it's true. We all experience different things throughout the day that trigger us in so many different ways. And there are many times where I have been like, I wish that I had a a spot or a repository for me to, you know, get this stuff off of my chest. Because if you bottle it up, that is no bueno. And then all of a sudden you explode on a coworker or a friend or a family member being like, the parking spot. And people are like, what are you talking about? That is where therapy comes in. And I love working with BetterHelp because I'm a huge advocate for therapy, broadly speaking. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, please give BetterHelp a try. It is so easy because it's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you do is fill out a brief questionnaire and then you get matched with a licensed therapist. And if you are not vibing with the therapist for any reason, you can switch it out at no additional charge. Get things off of your chest with BetterHelp. So visit betterhelp.com slash Ray today to get 10% off of your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash Ray. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Grand Canyon University, an affordable private Christian university, is one of the largest and fastest growing universities in the country, offering more than 270 programs online. In addition to federal grants and aid, GCU's online students received nearly $130 million in institutional scholarships in 2022. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu slash myoffer to see the scholarships you may qualify for. No, 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 no. That's fine. I mean, you've you've basically you've done a lot of my work for me. So now now I'm, now I'm going to cherry pick and go back to certain aspects of your life. And no, that's we cool. Can, no, that's but cool. the um, I've been interviewed a lot, so I just, yeah, no, no, no. I used to give a, oh, yeah, my little 
Yeah, here, here's my spiel. <laughs> so then, yeah, this not so much, but yeah, 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 not spiel, but this is where this yeah. is where I'll drill down. So it's like you're obviously backing all the way up to, um, you know, kind of your like do you, brothers and sisters. No, actually, I'm okay, I me too, and I love oh, it. Yeah, no, I do too. I mean, it's definitely <laughs> my wife knows I am. <laughs> yeah, we. I think I'm it's. I'm sure you can attest to that. Yes, it takes a certain amount. There are certain a lot of conversations by myself. Yes, that I'm pretty sure I had with her. Yes, <laughs> it's a certain type of person to be. Uh, like I don't know. I just I, everybody I know that's an only child like really enjoys that experience. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, mean yeah, I think it really ex- expands your creativity and makes you mm-hmm. kind of do a lot of things on your own that maybe you're normally. Totally. On that very school. Right, right, right. Which can be good and bad. <clears throat> totally, yeah. There's, there's, yeah, positive negatives when you come to that. Yeah. But the, um, and so, you know, like once you, like, I guess a two-parter where it's like, when did independent music, because obviously, like you said, once you started getting the radio station in college and everything, like when did independent music kind of come into your life and like mm-hmm. how it came into your life? And, you know, like in high school, like, did you actually enjoy that experience or was... Oh, I hated high school, but that was more just because of, like, the ostracization. I just wasn't the cool kid. So yeah. Sweet. But I had my little group of metalheads that we hung out with. Okay, yeah, so you, you were, you were yeah, kind yeah, of... Yeah, like, I actually did track in ninth and 10th grade in some effort, I think, to, to be, like... You're like, cool hey, kid. guys! And that kind of, like, my regular friends were like, what the hell? So I just ended up kind of just falling out of that. Right. And then, uh, 11th and 12th grade, I was actually in this program. Oh, man, it was on the tip of my tongue. Yeah. But it was this um, program where, like, I basically kind of started focusing towards a, a marketing business career. Oh, And we okay. had this curriculum there to where you could, like, leave school at, like, 1 o'clock and go work at a job. Interesting. For credit. Wow. And then you'd come back, um, I think, once or twice a week, like, at, like, say, 3 to 5 o'clock and kind of were in this business class. And, uh, yeah, I went and crushed cans um, <laughs> a couple times a week. Yeah. As, like, school credit at Meyer, our local... Um, it was just an odd little thing, but it yeah. was cool. Um, our Be school, cool because and the idea was that you're like, yo, I can get out quicker. Yeah, you yeah. get out a little quicker, and it also, I mean, which was my thing then. But at the same time, looking back, it basically helped build you up to be a little bit of a better kid and not be a yeah, yeah. You know, calling it to work every other right. Day, maybe give you some response. Yeah, it gave you a little responsibility <laughs> when you were like 15, 16, which I wouldn't have probably had otherwise. So, <laughs> right, yeah, right. So it was kind of cool in that respect. But it's um, interesting. And so when did, how, since you were obviously a metalhead, like, when did that sort of become part of your purview? Yeah, I was just trying to think, like, how to get into that. But, like, my dad, like, was always into music, Bob Seger. Okay. Was his, was his, uh, his jam. His jam. <laughs> and I honestly listened to a lot of Bob Seger, like, maybe when I was five or six. And I got turned on to Queen, I think, by my dad. Yeah. And um, got their first three or four records, like, the good stuff, Daily Ways, and all that, all that stuff. Sure, um, sure. And followed them pretty hard for a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then, um... Got turned on to Kiss, and uh, my room was like, I, I look back, and I guess that's where it started because my dad's butt, my dad collects political buttons. Um, oh, okay. And his basement, his man cave, was floor to ceiling political memorabilia. Wow. Which got me into comic book collecting when I was really young, which I got amassed a huge comic book collection and sold it for a pretty good five figure sum, and then put that all into baseball card collecting when I was like 12 to 16 with my dad. Yeah. And that, the, on, on top of my grandma passing, a lot of the house was paid for by my baseball card collection, which was in the really high, like, five figures when we sold it. And my dad and I never spent more than, like, five or ten bucks on any one card. Yeah, just, yeah, yeah. You just kept collecting. Yeah, and right. uh, looking back, I mean, even every Sunday of my entire childhood, like, almost weekly, was going to some flea market somewhere. Ship Shawana, this big Amish thing down in Indiana. Or, uh-huh. uh, oh, gosh, I can't think of a lot of them right now. Right, but, right. Um, 
But yeah, but that's like what you guys did. Yeah, on the it, was, it was what my mom and dad did on the weekends. Yeah, I mean they had their little walkie talkies and we just zip around. My, my dad would zip off looking for political stuff, and my mom and I would just can't buy whatever the hell caught her eye. Just yeah, 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 yeah. You didn't really need. And, that's uh, cool. And, and then it developed into comic books and yeah, yeah. baseball cards. Just so I think I had something to kind of oh, dude, emulate, well, you emulate that, my pops a little bit. And plus, I mean, and my plus, dad loved baseball, so he kind of get, totally got into that. And, yeah. And, for a good five or six years, you know, what I got for Christmas was just like wear crazy baseball cards that he would find. It was pretty cool. That um, is cool. But all the all the while, just kind of going from fist into and maybe priest and uh-huh. you know, it was getting heavier and heavier. And of heavier. course, right. And um, by the time I had you know gotten to be 15, 16, 17, yeah, it was definitely like a, a heavier. Yeah, you were stuff and you, you know, dove relapse was starting to percolate around a little bit at that point. And, mm-hmm. you know, Virtual Blast and Central Media and yeah. some of the way back in the day things like uh, like yeah. Megaforce and stuff right, like right, that, right, and Metal right. Blade and whatnot. So, sure, uh, sure. Yeah, and and that was kind of your intro to yeah, all that. Yeah, that was my intro and all that and I just always loved that artwork on all of those things. Yeah. It led to, you know, more of a, was more of a like, more of a, an appreciation of art and then when I moved out to uh, Relapse I just got a little bit more into the art and then when we finally moved to Philly you know, the art museum there and stuff like that and I just got to go to that every weekend just because yeah. just got kind of tired of everything else all the metal I just mm-hmm. was getting yeah. well, you need to decompress out of it, but I needed yeah, to yeah, like, yeah. not be surrounded by it 24 hours a day mm-hmm. um, it's overwhelming yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I started getting a lot more into just going to the art museums and then started going to a few art shows and stuff like that and then just came out here hooked up with Sean and then like right. I said we started collecting and then we started going to this underground event here called Cannibal Flower uh-huh. Um, that's been going. They actually just celebrated their 12th anniversary a couple of weeks ago. Oh, nice! And basically, it's like an art rave. It's every other every other month. <clears throat> this guy just has a lot of uh, real estate friends, and he'll just take over an abandoned warehouse, like literally abandoned or damn near abandoned. Right. And um, throw up some white walls. Get a hundred artists in there. Music. Go at it. Flamethrowers, trapeze artists, all sorts of crazy shit. <laughs> And charges like ten bucks admission, and you know, usually gets five hundred to a thousand people on a Saturday night in the middle of nowhere downtown LA. It's it's pretty interesting. I mean, it's definitely a big city experience, right? And it's been emulated in San Francisco, and New York, and a few other places under different names. Uh huh. But um, we started going to that and buying a lot of art from that, and then maybe a year or two under like Noah and LC and him doing. He had been doing it for a while at that point, but uh, yeah, he got this little space off of Melrose that he called the Art Annex. Uh-huh. And he opened it up, and it was you know very DIY underground punky type thing, and uh, sure. but it showed a lot of potential, and a lot of the artists he sh- showed had a lot of potential. But LC's you know the visionary, more art minded guy, um, right? And Sean and I kind of came in with the whole business minded, both of us having done marketing one yeah, yeah, yeah. for about a, fifteen plus years at that point, right? And uh, we were just hanging out one Saturday afternoon, shooting the shit, and. Uh, Mutual friend of ours, uh, Nathan Spore, was hanging out, which is an, uh, an artist that LC showed at the time, and uh-huh. that we uh, used to collect. And um, <clears throat> came up with the notion of like the two of us, the three of like the combining, three of us, yeah, yeah. yeah kind of maybe combining forces and sure, sure. Well, yeah, because you both have <clears throat> strengths that each other didn't have, right? So LC right. had Cannibal Flower, and at the time I had been maybe doing this blog that still exists called Sour Harvest mm-hmm. for about a year, and I just created that because I was like kind of anal attendant and always like creating lists and yeah of course i, I, I never that, that's I never the only child you don't need yeah, to explain I, that to I, me yeah i never don't have a list in my pocket of things to do and my wife's like put that on your phone and i'm like i like the scratching off of things yeah of course it's satisfying 40 some years later i like to scratch something off it's, right it's right. very fulfilling um 
And uh, I used to always create this like this intensive list of all the shows mm. once we really started getting into collecting because I didn't want to miss anything. Right. And we really realized that at that point, that was well before, like the juxtaposed with a well-respected magazine, but at that time their website sucked. It was almost like a geocity. It was barely ever updated. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All these other websites and collector forums like Arrested Motion, High Fructose, none of this stuff even existed yet. Right. So I kind of like hooked up with a buddy that actually worked here at Century Media at the uh-huh. time um, that kind of had the same love of art that I did. And he did our uh, tech stuff at the time, John. Mm-hmm. I can't remember his last name. He's saving my life right now. Yeah. yeah. And um, he offered to kind of just create like a real basic website right. and would update it for us, you know, once a week with the new, the new listings. Yeah. yeah. And that really took off quickly just because there wasn't anything else out there like it. Yeah. And you saw, you saw a need and you're like, I wanted to fill it. Yeah. yeah. And I, I was already doing it for myself. So it wasn't really like, <laughs> Yeah. A job, so to speak. <laughs> right, right, and, right. Um, well, that's those, those, those yeah, are the best things. Yeah, and then we started an email list, and we had like maybe 3,000 people on it within like a month. Wow. Uh, and then I'd be out at shows, and people would be like, oh, man, you do Shadow Harvest. You're Shadow Harvest, dude. It was yeah. weird. It was weird. Um, and then, you know, like galleries started paying attention to something other thing, and then it was funny, like once we opened the gallery and everything started happening, it was funny how quickly... Like so many of these little doors of support from other galleries closed, and like a couple of galleries used to put Seller Harvest on their back of their postcards and right, stuff. Because right. we would interview their artists and feature them. And yeah, stuff yeah, like that. yeah. But yeah. once things they started, it was like really competition. It was just it was funny. Um, Interesting. Now, and to this day, there's still been a few lines drawn in the sand by a couple of galleries that think we stole the artists once we opened up our gallery. And right, and it's not like it's just slow crazy to know right. what they want to. And we've lost artists <laughs> to other galleries too, and it hurts and it sucks. Yeah, but it happens. Right, it's part of the gig. Um, right, exactly. Even Michael Basquiat back in the day, you know, you watch that movie about him. Yep. And he left his gallery owner. who was, of course, a saint and loved him to death. But you know, somebody dangled a little bit of a bigger bill and a little shinier castle, and it happens. Yeah, yeah. But hopefully, yeah. you can always find that next person that you love and can continue to work. Help with. to develop and whatnot. And luckily enough, we're uh, fortunate enough to, you know, we're going to be celebrating eight years coming up here pretty soon. Mm-hmm. November next year will be, or actually, no, we just celebrated seven. Okay, so, yeah, so the coming year, yeah, 2013, the, yeah, yeah. No, this actually, yeah, next year. Oh, got gosh. it, got it. Oh, gosh, it's already November. <gasps> oh, gosh, I know, yeah. Where, <sighs> does, where does the time fly? It's almost, it's almost October. <clears throat> what did your... So, yeah, uh, this November will be seven years, and then uh, yeah, and we're then, putting together something cool for our little eight-year anniversary just to be quirky. Yeah. We did a five-year show, and we're like, oh, we're going to do something silly for our eight-year show, so that'd be fun. That's awesome. And then um, this November, we go to Hong Kong. Um, to curate a show at a friend's gallery over there, which is huge. Like, we're taking over um, eight of their more established artists and doing a couple pieces each, and then we're taking them, two of their big artists, to Miami this December during Art Basel, mm-hmm. showing them at Scope, which is like a big international art fair. Uh-huh. 80 galleries, we've got a big booth, and half the booth will be Brian Deveros, and half the booth will be Amy Soul. Okay. So this is our this is our fourth or fifth art fair, but our first really major one. Mm-hmm. Um, we've done, like, the Affordable Art Fair and Aqua and... Right. A few other ones in the past, but this is our uh, like. You, you feel it's like the first like sort of it's the first big, big splash. Yeah, it's in a big splash, and we definitely want to do like um, Basel in New York with Scope next year, and uh-huh. we've already got plans to take um, Audrey Kawasaki and Dad Smiley down to Scope next year in uh-huh. December 2013. Wow! So, and um, earlier this year we had a pop up show in San Francisco, and last year we did a pop up show in Portland. Mm-hmm. So just doing a lot to kind of. Um, Spread the name, out. yeah. Yeah, spread out, spread the name of our artists and whatnot, and it's pretty interesting just because we've so consistently advertised in places like Juxtaposed and High Fructose every month now for seven years, and have a pretty aggressive um, social network base, like mm-hmm. one of the biggest amongst the galleries out there in terms right. of Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter and whatnot, and Tumblr. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's like, we'll, we'll go to these small little, no, small, but I mean, right. 
relatively thousands, speaking, thousands yeah. of miles away, and you know, pop up and you know, a little gallery in Portland and opening night, and you know, there's five thousand people coming out in the whole That's night crazy. just talking about how much they love Ben's Grace and this and the other thing. And it's pretty crazy. Even my mom feels it back in Columbus, Michigan. Really? She gets to expose every month, and we get press in there probably every day before this issue, and uh-huh. she'll go online. And it's pretty daunting. She's like, "I googled you today," and I'm like, "That sounds dirty, mom." Yeah. <laughs> so what did you, what did your parents do for a living? As um, they're both out? teachers. Oh, really? Yeah, like my what? Dad, my dad's a history was. I mean, they're was, both retired yeah. now, but he was a history and a math teacher. Oh, okay. I actually had him for math in eighth grade. That'd be really weird. I was about to say that probably was terrible. That was weird. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what? He wasn't easy on me. Oh, weird. I never would expect yeah, that. He, I think he made a point of that. Yeah, of course. Uh, it was a little school. It was Tom Scott High School, so there was really no zeros around it. Yeah, you're like, like I can't. In seventh grade, I was starting to put together. I'm like, I'm not going to have you much Nope. Yep. Yes, you are. Uh, and my mom worked for uh, Head Start. Like oh yeah, government run thing too. Um, right, parks and leaves and stuff. Sure, so, sure. Um, she worked for that for a number of years. Before that, she had did some different type of stuff, but uh-huh. for the majority of my memory. Right, right. That's teaching. She worked, there. she worked at Head Start and stuff like and that. And she was like the health coordinator and stuff like that. Not so much a general teacher, but oh, got more it, got the back it. end over <clears> there <throat> and stuff. Dealt with kids a lot, but she was she was like the health coordinator, put together all the foods, and yeah, yeah, lunches, and all, all the plans and everything. Plans sure, sure. That. Um, because I, you know, obviously in hearing you lay everything out, like how, how you have, like, I find it so, um, I mean, cause obviously it's like the art culture is, I mean, it, it mimics obviously what has happened within like DIY, hardcore punk metal, whatever you'd like to call oh, it. All the time. I make correlations all the time. where like, if one artist gets popular, all of a sudden all these smaller galleries will all of a sudden start showing all these people like say still in art school or just out of art school or whatever. And uh-huh. like, Audrey Kawasaki is a great example. When she started getting really popular, she was showing with us in a couple of our galleries. Mm-hmm. Her work used to sit around for months at six, seven, eight hundred bucks, and now you know it flies out the door at six, seven, eight thousand grand, and probably yeah, yeah. twenty grand a month. Um, but that's over a course of just like a, about the last six, seven years, and the last five years especially is when she's taken off. Uh-huh. But like right around the time she was taken off, it was totally like like if a big band takes off in metal, all of a sudden all this. Kind of like the reverse in music, though, where it's more the underground indie guys are finding the cool stuff, and that. The majors come in and try to put all, all these copycat bands that kind of sound like the cool underground thing. Whereas in uh, the gallery world, I guess it kind of works both ways. But I mean, our little segment of the art world, like I mentioned earlier, the pop shows and new contemporary, right. we're kind of very much the underground and outsider in the art world. Okay. Um, whereas the blue chip art world, it's often called Demo the Comedies and Naras and the nicer stuff. Uh-huh. They all kind of frown on this stuff because a lot of people think portraiture or just the figure is dead. Painting is dead. Interesting. Even I've heard, you know. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. We're right across the street from Susan Benamir Gallery, which is a very blue chip gallery in LA and a really, really beautiful gallery. But it's much more conceptually based and like uh-huh. install based. And oh, okay. Yeah. Works and stuff she, like large pieces, yeah, yeah. Yeah, or just like almost more installation type based where you couldn't even buy the piece really right, right. if you wanted to. It's just more almost like a concept. Okay. And a lot of times her patrons will come in and just, um, we call them pirouetters. They won't even get to the end of our stairwell. They'll just kind of like come in and do a little pirouette and go right the hell back out. <laughs> They're and, like, this isn't for me. Oh, this this is, not is not for me. me. And obviously our fan base, if they went across the street, would probably do the same thing. Right, right, right. Showing. So it's, it's, you know, that's what makes art art something or just like music there's something for everyone right right you can't like everything you can't appreciate everything yeah you're yeah have haters or certain things just like people hate rap people hate painting whatever you know or, right, or sculpture right, right. Or, you know, or whatever and um our little fracture of the art world um it was kind of dubbed lowbrow whatever years ago by robert williams who's uh-huh. kind of like the grandfather of the scene and actually started juxtaposing everything like that uh-huh. with some friends back in the day but um 
it's it's, it's just interesting. Uh, so, well, I mean, because I, I find it, but like, I guess we'll you know us or you know Popro or any kind of prominent gallery once we kind of get somebody established and rocking. There's definitely like a lot of younger people that will come up and emulate them in smaller mm-hmm. galleries around the country and kind of more secondary tertiary markets. Right. That'll start to show them. But that's what kind of makes our little bubble of art world beautiful because ultimately you need that incubating system to of course. develop your style and then you know work your way up through the system and whatnot. And 10 years ago, maybe even maybe even five years ago, there wasn't really a lot of these places around. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was really harder to, to kind of get out of art school and get your footing. So, I mean, I appreciate what this all develops and stuff like that. But, I mean, it's, like you said, it's just more kind of creating a little bit of an example of how right. art versus music is very similar. You know, just how oh, one totally. thing influences another and takes mm-hmm. off and takes off. And, yeah. Uh, well, it's, I mean, especially it, on, like, the illustration side. Yeah. I mean, I think anybody that's involved in the subculture obviously experiences that, like what you're saying, where it's like you can draw parallels between, you know, whatever, like skating, like anything. Yeah. Um, so what I always find interesting, like, you know, once you started to get into metal and then obviously once you started to get into art, like how, have, how did your parents react to like your choices in regards to like, all right, I'm going to work for a record label in the yeah. middle of fucking nowhere. Like, no, I mean, I wasn't the, the, uh, the A plus wonder child by any means, right. um, <laughs> especially if you go back to folk parents kind of being in school and of course a little right. rebellion going on there right right and i didn't hang out with the greatest crowd there for a couple of years um yeah yeah so no it's just like when i kind of like got the man who gave it store and stuff they were really happy um they're just like you're making a living That's i was okay. just like yeah, i was i was establishing myself post high school basically and uh-huh. I started going to kalamazoo valley community college and you know i was Maybe only taking nine or ten credits at a yeah, time. Yeah, just sticking but around, I'm sure. Yeah. Really, in a sense, yeah, trying to keep the family happy. <laughs> right. And, um, yeah, when Matt came calling, it was just one of those beautiful things that, you know, thank God the folks were, you know, I wouldn't have been able to do it without them. I mean, they ended uh-huh. up, you know, giving me a big, big little chunk of change. And of course. And stuff, and, you know, helping me move out there. And right, right. Everything, you know, the folks that were there for them. Yeah. And the good ones are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, whatnot. My folks are awesome. So, uh, now they, they pushed me into it, and. That's Within good. a couple of years, I mean, I was doing the international stuff. And I started going to Needham and Popcom. So I was going to like France and Germany and UK once a year. Like, so I was going to Europe three times a year. So they were like, oh, boy, it's cool. Yeah. I've never even been barely to Canada. So they were just like, <laughs> holy heck. So I mean, and, they're, and, yeah. and then, you know, a lot of his school friends, mm-hmm. like teacher buddies, remembered, you know, the me from high school. There wasn't, you know, the, yeah. the, the, the stereotypical student or parent, you know, right. teacher's kid you know I yeah guess yeah, yeah most yeah. of them would like to have you know it was more of a little yeah a little shit right right so yeah so i think it became a little bit of a thing of pride for them for a while uh-huh. to be able to like oh what's you know what's what's todd doing this one guy that i used to actually live with for like a year with a couple other buddies and uh-huh it ended really bad and he was a jerk off but i think he's filling people's gas tanks now right and working on cars which is not a belittlement to anything like that no but, no 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 but you know right he used to be like the it's, models it, it, it's very much stereotypical he used to be one of the, the cool kids in high right, school right. this that and the other thing and then you know now he's basically you know, right yeah. those those were his salad days exactly and you were just suffering through it being like get me get me yeah, out of here yeah. and now yeah, yeah thankfully i live on the other side of the country i've been yeah in Europe probably 20 30 some times yeah, yeah yeah for work right and now you know i have transitioned into you know the you know, gallery being, being a really internationally renowned gallery that you know gets international press and has won shows in a few different countries now in four different five different states right and uh 
Yeah, so like it's anytime, like we, anytime we, I'm in juxtaposed, pictured or featured, and we actually the whole gallery was featured once about three years ago. And uh -huh. We had a picture taken by a really renowned photographer here in LA and stuff like that. And uh -huh. Yeah, I think my mom and dad probably sent that copy of that magazine to about every person on their mailing Christmas card list. That's incredible. You know? Yeah, but I mean it's pride, and I respect that. You know? Yeah, and yeah, I, I, I appreciate that. I just, of course, I of it, course. But, um, no, I think it's awesome that they. Uh, and they're still like, you know, a couple of my biggest fans. They still like coming out and checking out shows. And That's great. This and that thing. Um, my wife hates to fly, so we don't get to see them very much. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. There's not a whole lot back in town. No, 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 right. I've got a couple of close friends that I keep in touch with. One right. actually, uh, Chris Hammer runs uh, Greenlight Music. Oh, okay. store that he opened up back in the day. And mm -hmm. he's a, he was actually really instrumental in just forming my love of music, too, just because, like, when I was working at Boomer Music, I kind of got to be friends with him, and he worked at Music Express, I think, back in the day when it was oh, a buddy of his, Dano. Okay. And we just, you know, we'd exchange trade promos and hook up, and we'd go right. to a friend's house named BMJ, Death Metal James. Don't, <laughs> I don't even know if I ever knew that guy's last name. Right. Um, And for, like, years, you know, our Saturday afternoon, we'd be going over to Death Metal James's and just rocking out the new stuff. Right. You know, show, show me, Master. Yeah, yeah, and James had like this crazy lizard collection. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with a king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to fifteen hundred dollars back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet that's right up to fifteen hundred dollars again sign up using code buckeye and receive up to fifteen hundred dollars back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet BetMGM and game sense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park that's 1-800-GAMBLER As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Snakes, zombies, sharks, heights, speaking in public. The list of fears is endless. But while you're clutching your blanket in the dark, wondering if that sound in the hall was actually a footstep, the real danger is in your hand when you're behind the wheel. And while you might think a great white shark is scary, what's really terrifying and even deadly is distracted driving. Eyes forward. Don't drive distracted. Brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> Go figure. But, uh, <laughs> Lizards and death metal. They go yeah, ahead and they're, they're, it's like, yeah, you can learn to <laughs> But, um, it's yeah, a, so you, what, what's a, it's sort of, you know, to wrap things up and sort of in conclusion, because obviously the, um, you know, the whole, the whole independent culture, DIY, that's your water too, if you want some. Oh. <laughs> um, yeah, the whole like DIY culture. And like, obviously that is completely, yeah, I mean, that that's exactly what you're involved in. Oh, with the art gallery. Exactly. I mean, our cherry is 25 to 35 year olds. It's the people that, you know, grew up with pop culture. And now our art is very pop culture based, very pop culture driven. Yeah. There's a couple artists we work with, like Dave McDowell and some other people that, you know, their artwork is pop culture. It's just remixing that with through their work. Their vision. Right, right, right. Yeah. And um, some of the stuff that comes out of that guy says insane. We've got a show that's opening up with him in January. It's going to be a party of fun, some people, hopefully. 
Um, <laughs> See, yeah. and that that you saying that right there, like that's, I mean, that's completely emblematic of what happens, obviously, like within you know the the, the vision of music, where it's just like you know, I mean, when you're oh, like, when something really extreme came through the doors of the relapse, we would just be like, oh my god, this is There's what a, we were looking oh, for. Yeah, There's one band, Swedish grindcore band, Regurgitation, mm-hmm. where it was. Um, Something about a zombified penis or something like sure. that in the title. And Wes Anderson or uh, Wes Benster. Okay. Who, gosh, I'd love to, I need to look him up. Amazing <laughs> artist that used to do a lot of early uh, relapse um, visuals. Uh-huh. Just created this most insane. It was basically like the zombie chick with a dick on a stick, like a pop, popsicle. <laughs> and that was the cover. Right. Oh my God. You're like, it was where? Just over the top. Right. You're like, this is amazing. Right. Where do we get more of this? <laughs> yeah. We're like, we got to do shirts and right. posters. And we made, we sell so many of those. Fucking That's incredible. And so that, that the. I mean, and I also find it interesting too, like with what you do. And obviously, it's like you know, you you don't. I mean, people know. Like, obviously, people I say here at Century Media know that you have an affinity for art, and you don't, you know, you don't hide that fact. But yeah. it's like you know, Did those for are a while. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I mean, but those. those I didn't know if it would be a compromise. Or right, right. Like, of course, yeah, contradictory. Just say like, should I be doing this? Or? Yeah, yeah, totally. But like those. All of our owners bought an art from me, and he like totally. I think he like was totally jazzed at it. Like, Right, that you go, do that. Don't go home and do nothing. I mean, right, right. continue to, you know, not work most nights till like one or two in the morning. Right. Like, it's pretty crazy. Right. Yeah, because, I mean, yeah. you don't feel like that's work. Not really. No, I no. Mean, there's days, but of course, uh, of course, of course. everywhere. But uh, but even here, it doesn't always feel like work a lot of the time. You know, as long as you know, you're doing something you love. I was working day in your life. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. A, bad, a bad day of fishing is better than a good day of work or whatever. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> But the uh, but yeah, like I said, sort of in conclusion, like the the idea that you know some that those worlds, like even though they travel parallel to one another, they do have those sort of railroad ties connecting them. But people still have that disconnect where they're just like, you know, like art, like oh, that doesn't make any sense to me. Oh. But then you're just like, I mean, does that frustrate you? Where you're just like, open your eyes a little bit. Yeah, it did in a degree. There, like in Culver City, there's a big art walk every year. Um, oh yeah. Every opening this happens, I I, I should preface with, but uh-huh. during the art walks from like the general populace that maybe goes to one museum show a decade or right. whatever, you know, just something happens to where they're like, Oh, I'm gonna check this out. Yeah. And this isn't a slam on anybody and and I get it. Right. But it, it we have taken advantage of it a couple times where like one person will come in and we usually have a group show going for the art art uh-huh. walk. And um yes, a lot of artists within our genre create similarly ties works of art in terms of narration and portraiture and stuff like that. Right. But every one of them is so different. It's crazy. Of course. I guess maybe to the trained eye, let's say. Yeah. yeah. But it doesn't have, I mean, once an hour, a family will come in. Oh, is this your gallery? Yeah. Is this all your art? Wow. You've got so many different styles. And just will really, yeah. if, if you played into it for a second, they would just... Eat it out of your hand all day long, and it just—it's—it's it's surprising to me, and then uh-huh. that's just—it's just—it's how, what you choose to uh, pay attention to, pay attention to, I think, or uh-huh. maybe just you know follow or whatnot, you know, and you can't really belittle somebody. No, no, for no, that. no, no. You chuckle, of course. Of course, when they leave, oh, yeah, I can't believe these people. Yeah, yeah. Oh. But obviously, I might go into their world and not know the difference between a right. widget and a thingit or whatever. You know, I mean, whatever. So I mean, yeah. I mean, it's really it's. Everybody surrounds themselves with different things. Everybody's not lucky enough, unfortunately, mm-hmm. to have a creative outlet. So a lot of people go through life just being at nine to five, coming and raise the kids and yeah, watch the news, go to bed and repeat. And um, I'm thankful that I didn't fall into that. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, honestly, I mean, I don't know if had that not 
they extended that olive branch to me all those years ago and got me into relapse and got me out of Kalamazoo, Michigan, more most right. importantly, and things of that nature. If half of what I had done and seen would ever have happened, you know, if I would ever right. met John, you know, love my life and stuff like that. So it's 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 interesting, and you know, it's it's we're both getting to the age now where it's like you know we. we have chosen not to have children. Right. Um, we've got five crazy cats. Um, <laughs> You're like, that, that the, we, the cats that, are that, the that, kids, that right? we treat like our kids and whatnot. And, right. um, you know, kind of seeing where things are going, we're not horribly upset about that decision and stuff like that. Um, sure, sure. But uh, with that said, you know, who knows where things will go in the future. But um, definitely with how we have chosen to live our life and whatnot, I can't imagine having that in the mixture and having the reality and totally. other things. So, I mean, it's it's a give and take as with of anything course. in life. You know, I mean, uh, obviously sometimes you'll see you're like that, but then like ten yeah. minutes later, you might see one running through, you know, right, causing target, havoc. ripping right. shit off shelves, and screaming and crying. And you're like, yeah, <laughs> we made the right decision here. Yeah, high five. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's so, I mean, yeah, yeah. And you can attest to that. But, totally, I mean, the joys far outweigh the bad. Don't get me wrong. Oh no, no, but, no um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's just justifications, I guess, as you live your life. Well, I think I, I, th- I think you hit on a very important point: the fact that like. No matter, I mean, everybody makes choices and everybody follows, like you said, different paths in life. But it's like, if you don't explore opportunities that get presented to you, because I mean, so many people are scared to take those no, steps. No, like, I mean, that's a terrifying move oh, to be like totally. Kalamazoo to fucking, you know, another middle of nowhere. Place oh, yeah, exactly. And then when I moved from Pennsylvania out to here, I mean, that was insane. Right. My, my, that was when I was gonna kill my mom. Like, oh, I can imagine. I drive to Pennsylvania. That's I true. Right, 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 right. Fly quicker, mom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, that's my thing. But then, yeah, like if you didn't make those huge leaps of faith that you're like, you know, this like, I mean, theoretically, this could you know crash and burn in a minute. Oh, Your yeah. gallery could have crashed and burned. Like you, we made it through the recession. That was a scary time because yeah, who wants to be buying thousand dollars? I mean, it really, I mean, art yeah. is the biggest single, even more so than music. Art right. is the biggest single. You don't need it. No, we go to so many people's houses where you walk in. And no, and they don't seem to care. No, and like Sean and I get highs. Right, right. Like, oh. You just want to like go in there and start drawing on their walls or something. You know, it's like, <laughs> You're I, like I, I there's something wrong here. I just can't understand that. But I yeah, mean, yeah. again, it, it goes back to if you weren't raised in that type right. of environment, that's what you're used to, and it's all good. And you stare at the TV and you go to bed and you start over. And right, right, right. In the morning and, and that, like, and like you said, that that was like, you know, people. A lot of people that do experience that, like, you know, they just like you said, they haven't been lucky to been exposed to something that can flex a creative muscle, you know? Yeah. Like, it's like, I, I look at, like, my, my grandpa's into making, you know, car models. Fucking awesome that he's into that because it's like, if he didn't have that, his creative energy, like, where else would that yeah, be placed? Yeah, exactly. No, I think that's awesome. Yeah. And it, yeah, and it's just, it gets, yeah, you, you do you do feel sad for people that, like you said, it's just, it's that, you know, wash, wash rinse, repeat. Yeah, and we're both creative souls. Like, Sean loves to do mosaics, and she does little bitty art projects and stuff like that. She hates when I mention it. Right. But um, and I actually took a number of years of art school when I was a kid, like maybe oh, eight okay. to twelve. Sure, my, sure. Um, my high school art teacher, well, before he was my high school art teacher, my dad has always been really good friends. He just passed a couple years ago. Sad. Uh huh. Name was Bob Shane. Awesome guy. Nice. Um, and probably honestly looking back was the guy that really instilled, Got, yeah, plant really planted that seed in me and stuff like that. And yeah. I just never really followed it. 
Um, I've got some pretty amazing drawings and stuff like that from when I was a kid, of like Garfield and Patty from Bear and stuff like that that are still framed in my mom's house. That I'm like, wow, I did that. Yeah. Uh, wow. I, I, I wasn't absolutely terrible. Yeah, right. Right. Not, I don't have retain a whole lot of it, and I've done some you know fun little street art projects on the DL and stuff like that, especially back when we were over in on Melrose and mm -hmm. like the alley. You had the ability to do it, right? Yeah, I could just go out when I was bored when I was slow and on Saturdays <laughs> and stuff. Right. But um, yeah, I would never. De embarrass any other right. working artist by calling myself that. <laughs> yeah, but, um, yeah, yeah. No, but being being in the gallery it's like every once in a while we'll get a card or a thank you letter from somebody that just kind of like maybe brings a little bit like just kind of like makes you realize how lucky you are because I mean yeah. we really have made it possible for so many artists to kind of launch a career I mean yeah, yeah. and many of them that we've maybe lost after a solo show or two that you know it hurts but some of them are like some of the biggest artists are now and those galleries that show them now would not have been exposed to them or probably given them a chance had they not been able to work with you guys work yeah, with yeah. us and broaden you know just find their voice so to speak as they say a lot right um and that's kind of crazy to think about you know i mean over the course of the seven years we've shown something like because we've done a lot of group shows and a lot of pop-up events and stuff like that. Yeah. We always have a core of about 40 artists that we focus on and uh -huh. we show every other year on some sort of secular, yeah, um, yeah. you know, kind of type program. But um, well over 500 artists. Um, we were looking at it a little while ago. It's actually close to six. Um, that we've, you know, gotten a piece of work from Sean, corresponded, either sold it and mm -hmm. sent it back to him or whatever, but exposed them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Early on, maybe the first year or so, I wasn't saying a whole lot, but I mean, as we built and our social networks right. grew and, you know, the internet took off and all that stuff. Of course, stuff, right, right. It's pretty crazy what a show with us now can do in terms of just, like, internet hits and just bringing yeah. collectors' eyes to you and stuff like that. Exposure, right, yes, right. Exactly, basic exposure. Yeah. Because um, so many galleries don't really do a lot of advertising anymore or don't really get the social network thing or whatnot. Mm -hmm. Still being entrenched... You know, and surrounded by youngsters right. that kind of much more get it than me. Uh, yeah. Here at my music job, um, I can take a lot of that and yeah, apply it directly. Yeah, and yeah, apply yeah, it right yeah. directly, and then sometimes I'll be like, "Hey, what do these stats look like, Stephanie? They look pretty good." And she'll be like, "Damn, for a gallery, that's pretty crazy." And <laughs> yeah, you know, like, and it's crazy. And I'll bring it up a lot of times. We're like, "We'll sign a new band." I'll, right. I'll, I'll, not yeah, to yeah. be pompous, but just to, no. to make a point. It's like, why are we signing this band if they only had X amount of likes? And here I am, a little bitty art gallery, one little right. gallery in Culver City, and I got. 12,000 likes, but we're signing this band with 2,000 likes. That right. doesn't make sense to me. Right. And this band's you know? been around for three years. Yeah. <laughs> they obviously can't sell out in their hometown. You know, just a little thing. And sometimes totally. that gets people thinking. Yeah, know, yeah, yeah. By no means is that a huge number, but for an art gallery, that's right. pretty huge. That's why yeah, I qualify yeah. the top five. So it's just like. You're, you're able to. It's, it's, it's weird. Yeah. You know? and, and you're able to. It's cool because you're able to take experiences from both worlds, apply them, and it's like, it makes sense because it's all like a linear path and like obviously what yeah. you're doing. And we do opening up photos every night and stuff. So my face, I guess, is out there a yeah. bit in the old blogosphere. Yeah. And we've got a pretty popular Instagram that we run and stuff like that. And it's just pretty much art shows and art art and uh -huh. our cats. Sure. And a month or so ago, I was at a stoplight. On Hollywood, I was telling my wife this. I told her I felt good about myself for a couple seconds, and that bubble got popped. I was just sitting there at a light, and these two girls are like, hey! half my age, like, hey, run right. out your window. And I'm like, hey, yeah, cool. hey, what's up? Yeah, and I'm like, what's going on? You're just yeah. like, what? Right, right. still not quite. Rolled out my window, and they're like, we love your cats, toot toot, and they go zipping off. <laughs> and I told Sean I just sat there at the light for about 10 seconds with somebody beeping behind me because I was just like so perplexed by what the hell had just happened. And then I put yeah. together that, oh my God, these people either saw my Facebook or my yeah. Instagram, which are very much 
for most people, more social things with family and friends. Right. Whereas with us, it's taken off because of the gallery. Right. It was unnerving and weird. Yeah, yeah. You're like, I'm not used to that. No, no, yeah, I'm like, yeah, yeah. You're going to come and thank my cats when I'm at work? <laughs> you're That's like, weird. please leave us alone. Yeah. So but, it, was, it was a little weird, you know, when we recently had our, uh, we used to have regular barbecues a, a number of years ago before, like, right, maybe when MySpace was taken off. It was whatever at that point. Yeah. And we just haven't done it in a number of years. And when we decided to have this one recently, we kind of like put all over the invites and stuff like that. Like, hey, no Instagram, no Facebook, and no, right, right. no IMAX. No spreading this. Just because, yeah, yeah. A, we knew we'd probably forget somebody, and we probably did. Right. And that sucks. Yeah, but of course. It's, it's hard once you've done something like this for five or six years, and you've made so many local connections and stuff like that. And at the same time, it's impossible to invite everybody over your little Of course, house. of course. We had something well over 100 people as over as it was. Um, but it was just funny how many people came up to us at that. I'm gonna go over and steal that line for our next little event we do because they're like, yeah, it just sucks because it's inevitable. It's immediately exposed. And, yeah, and yeah. Most of the people that post when they're at something like that, it's very much like, ha ha! Right. Look where I'm doing something awesome. And yeah, that's yeah. Not cool. You know, no, it's no, weird no. how that has opened up many different little. Uh, yeah. And then there's a lot of little nuances that that they trickle into other facets of that too. Yeah. So it's, it's interesting. No, yeah. for sure. Anyways, it's gonna be interesting. To use that word way too much in the last couple seconds. Yeah, um, to see where things go in the next uh, year or two now that uh, this kind of little bubble of the art world continues to kind of really make inroads over into Europe, uh-huh. and Asia, and stuff like that. Like um, a friend of mine that does Rest in Motion called a show over in Hong Kong at the same gallery we're doing literally a year ago to the date that we'll be doing it. Okay. Um, so that's going to be another big major inroads into Hong Kong and other artists um, that we're friends with that are. Big show there recently at the crazy big like multiple tower uh, shopping mall there. I oh wow! The name of it right now. Okay, like sure. But um, and then just other things are going on. Um, yeah, a couple, couple artists from our scene have had three major shows over in Hong Kong in the last year. Um, sure. JR and Pause and a few other people. Um, it's just James, pop. It's popping up. It, it, yeah, 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 it's definitely getting out there, and it's getting to the point where a lot of these artists, especially like people with Mark Ride and some of the bigger so, ones, are starting to enter into that you know seven figure range for their bigger paintings. Right. And with that, you know, more people start to pay a little bit of attention, and some of the bigger artists are now starting to get gobbled up by galleries that five, ten years ago, three years them. ago, yeah. were still snobbing. And probably still talk a little smack behind the back, but their checks are clean. Of course, right, right. And whatnot. So it's it's, it's really interesting. And yeah. um, that, I mean, it's not, obviously it sounds yeah. it's it's very much paralleling. It's like the wild, age. wild west, just like the music industry is. It's, totally, that's what my wife calls it all the time. Just because there's really no contacts, and I just can read you the morning after a group show, or solo, a, a right. really fantastic solo show if he wants to. Right, right, and, right. You know, there's nothing worse than having that great sold out show, and then about. Hour or two before close, you start seeing a couple other major gallery owners walking through, and you're like, like oh, hmm. never come here before. Yeah, <laughs> weird, and it's not a coincidence. Yeah, yeah, yeah so yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, but what can you do? I and mean, if you act too worried, it seems like you're greedy, and that's horrible because it's not greedy, it's just you love, yeah, you yeah. show what you love. I mean, we, right. we've gotten to the point where we could show much more established artists and some established folks have come to us that we've passed on and stuff like that just because a lot of what we love is growing with an artist mm-hmm. and watching them achieve those first successes, their first $3,000 painting, their first $5,000 painting, their first $10,000 painting. Right. Those are huge plateaus for an artist. Huge, you know? yeah, yeah. Especially when we start showing them they're like seven, eight hundred, nine hundred dollars Right, right. Some of them are like, a big, a big painting might be 1200 you know. Right, like, right. oh my God. And then like a couple of years later, we're selling a $5,000 one from them. So things like that. Are pretty crazy. Yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah, and like, so. hey, as long as you're able to, you know, be a small part of it, you're fine with that. So. No, totally. And uh, 
No, we do we do pretty good. So I mean, hopefully the things continue and uh, yeah. You're able to. You're able to do. You're, Mick you're, doesn't run us all right straight into hell. <laughs> yeah, they mask do. And we we still have money to spend a year from now. And, uh, exactly. We're not all enslaved in some Republican slave camp or something. Like that. <laughs> well, I, I I think there is no no more appropriate place to leave it than that. <laughs> uh, I appreciate this, Oz. Thank you so yeah, much you. for wanting to obviously good. do this. That's right. Yeah. And there you have it. I uh, hope you enjoyed that. Like I said, I really got a lot from that conversation, and it was awesome to kind of see a sneak peek into the art world and obviously the similarities it shares between music and all that type of stuff. Anyways, uh, go hit us up on our website, 100wordsorless.com, and uh, also visit propertyofzach.com. And uh, next week... We will be posting another episode on Tuesday. I'm thinking, just because I have so many episodes, depending on how motivated I am, I may do two in a week. Crazy shit. Anyways, talk to you soon. Bye. The show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Trust me in saying that no matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all of the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. Check the backseat. Check the backseat. All right, come here. Check the back seat. Gets in your head, right? Good. Because every year, dozens of children are forgotten in the backseat of a car by a parent or caregiver. All never thought it could happen to them. But with changes in routines, distractions, or a sleeping child, it can happen to anyone. Parked cars get hot fast and can be deadly. So get it in your head. Check the back seat. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. It's the Breakfast Club, the world's most dangerous morning show. Hey! Angela Yee is kind of like the big sister that always pokes you in the forehead. <laughs> That's not how it goes? That's not how anything goes. Yemi's really like a robot. One of the best DJs ever. Believe that. Charlamagne is the wild card. And I'm about to give somebody the credit they deserve for being stupid. I know, that's right. <laughs> what is wrong with you? <laughs> Listen to The Breakfast Club weekday mornings from 6 to 10 on 106.7 The Beat. Columbus is real hip-hop and R&B.